morning, everybody. Happy Thursday. My name is Rachel Martin. I am a speaker, an author, a business owner, and most importantly for today, I am an accountant. So I specialize in working with female entrepreneurs and influencers, and our wider accountancy practice, Strivex, helps businesses of all shapes and sizes, and we absolutely love offering a person-centered, holistic approach to the way that we offer and deliver our accountancy services. I am super active on Instagram and have a lovely platform over there. So I would love to see you over on my channel. You can find me by searching on Instagram for accountant underscore she. Okay, so whilst we are waiting for some of your juicy questions to come in, I thought I would run through something that is very close to my heart and I think a lot of people's at the moment. Um, because we've been going through the process ourselves over the last 12 months and that is growth. So growth and scaling. So you've got a business which is successful and growing. So firstly, congratulations. Um, now it's time to get ready for the new challenges which are about to come your way. So scalability is about capacity and capability. So does your business have the capacity to grow and will your business, the systems, the infrastructure and the team be able to accommodate your growth? So if growth causes your company to stumble because of confusion or orders falling through the cracks, uh, insufficient staff, miscommunication, not enough manufacturing or delivery capacity, then you're going to have unhappy customers, which as a small business just can't be the case. Um, the manual processes that were fine when you were small, but now won't let you move fast enough. So you'll either be putting out fires or desperately trying to keep your head above water, all of which is stressful. So I wanted to talk to you today about how we can make the process a little bit smoother and a bit nicer for you. So scaling a business means setting the stage to enable and support growth within the company. So it means having the ability to grow without being hampered or it becoming very, very stressful. So it requires planning, some funding and the right systems, staff, processes, technology and partners in place. So I've put together some tips and steps to follow when scaling your business. So first things first, you need to evaluate and plan for your growth. You can't know what to do differently unless you take stock of where your business currently stands today. And this is really, really important. You'll then need to apply some strategy in order to increase your sales. And a part of this process is to take a second and assume that your orders are going to double or triple overnight. So does your organization have the people and systems in place to handle those new orders? And this is where good planning is essential. The best planning, in my view, starts with a detailed sales growth forecast broken down by number of new customers, orders or revenue that you want to or are anticipating you're going to generate. So you can build a spreadsheet that breaks down the numbers by month or even week. And the more specific you are, the more realistic your sales acquisitions plans can be. So then you can do a very similar expense forecast based on adding different technologies, people, infrastructures and systems into the business to handle all of the new sales orders. So you can look at every item on your current profit and loss report, which you can run directly from QuickBooks to see how you might be impacted. Expenses will go up. Um, that's a fact. And you have to anticipate where 
and how. Again, you can include in the spreadsheet that breaks down expenses needed to meet your sales forecast. Um, and again, try to think of everything, the expected and the unexpected. You'll need to do some really, really hard thinking and research to come up with proper cost estimates, but doing that will make your plan better. So step two is to think about the money. Um, scaling a business doesn't come for free. Um, and your growth plan may call for hiring staff, developing new technology, adding equipment or improving your facilities and creating reporting systems to measure and manage the results of your growth. So it's up to you to sort of have a look at how to find the money, how to generate the money or how to invest for growth. At the moment, we've got lots of different funds available to support growth within the UK following the coronavirus pandemic. So I'm going to run through those in more detail a bit later on. So next up is how to secure the sales. So scaling your business generally assumes that you are going to be selling more. So do you have the sales structure in place to generate more sales? So you're looking from sales, looking at sales from end to end. So do you have a sufficient lead work process to generate the desired number of leads? Do you have marketing systems built up to track and manage the leads? Do you have enough sales reps to follow up and close the leads when they do come? You'll need a robust system to manage all of your orders at a higher capacity level than before. And do you have a billing system and a receivables function to follow up and ensure that all invoices are collected timely? Again, this is something that QuickBooks can help with. I'm sure you've got it at this point, but it is so, so important to consider growth in every area of your business. So next up is investing in technology. So technology generally makes it easier and less expensive to scale a business and you can gain huge economies of scale and generate more output with less labor if you invest wisely in technology. So automation in most businesses, not all businesses, can help you run your business at a lower cost and more efficiently by minimizing the manual work and labor costs. Again, part of this is systems integration. So that's a prime area for improvement in most businesses. Uh, companies today don't run off of one single system. So they might have a dozen or more systems that have to pull together. Again, things like QuickBooks can integrate with so many different software. So it's important to look at that too. So now is a good time to evaluate new products on the market that save you time and money, but then also accommodate much higher volumes in every part of your business. So you could look at CRM systems, marketing automation, sales management, inventory management, manufacturing, accounting, HR, shipping, and lots of other technology systems. So you need to evaluate not only the software, but also the networks and the hardware, such as servers, computers, printers, and like the telephone equipment. Um, so the final tip is to find staff or learn when to strategically outsource. So last, obviously, and not least, are the hands that are needed to carry out the extra work. So technology gives huge leverage, but at the end of the day, you still need people. So do you have enough customer service staff? So you can look at industry benchmarks to determine a rule of thumb for how many customers one member of staff can be expected to handle. Um, to the level of quality and service that your business requires. You can think about 
what about the people who are responsible for the manufacturing, inventory, and actually delivering the products and services? And again, how many are typical for your industry per customer and how many you'll need? You then need to look at how to find qualified staff within the timescales that you need. So recruiting and hiring systems are really important um, and making sure that your benefits and payroll package is competitive. Next up, um, don't forget management. The importance of management, the management bench grows as your business grows and as a business owner, you won't be able to oversee everything. So sometimes the answer is to outsource or look for strategic partners rather than to hire internally. And that's something that accountants can help with becoming part of your non-executive board and giving you financial advice without coming in-house. So scaling, as with anything, does come with difficult choices and you have to think about what functions you can and should perform um, or not perform internally and yourself as a business owner. So third parties, again, like accountants, may have the staff and investment in systems that enable them to be much more efficient in handling a function than you doing it yourself internally. And trying to replicate that function within your business may simply take too much time and money for the level of scale that you're experiencing. So instead, finding reliable partners to outsource and positioning your business to scale better, faster and cheaper. Okay. So two of the points that I just raised were about funding and staffing, of which there is lots of government support available at the moment. So the first scheme that I'd like to talk about is the Kickstart scheme, which when it was first released back in 2020, was only available to businesses who were able to provide 30 or more jobs or placements, which really segmented small businesses out of the market um, unless they were going through a third party provider. But on the 3rd of February 2021, so last week, um, the scheme actually changed and you no longer need a minimum of 30 job placements to apply directly to the scheme, which is great news for small and growing businesses. The scheme provides the funding to create new job placements for 16 to 24 year olds, which are currently on universal credit and at risk of long term unemployment. And the funding covers 100% of the national minimum wage for 25 hours a week for a total of six months. It covers all associated employers' national insurance contribution and employers' minimum automatic enrollment contributions. Um, so again, just to say that again, um, it covers job placements for 16 to 24-year-olds. It covers 100% of the national minimum wage or the national living wage, depending on the age of the participant, for 25 hours a week for a total of six months. Employers can spread the start date of different job placements up to the end of December 2021. So if your scaling and growth spans across a plan that runs to the end of this year, you can account for and plan for that too. So on top of the actual wages that are covered within the scheme, you'll also get £1,500 worth of funding per job placement, which will help you to cover setup costs for the role and help you to support the young person to develop their employability skills over the course of their placement with you. So just super quickly, I can see loads of questions coming in from you. Um, the last scheme that I wanted to cover off, firstly, because they play a huge part in businesses growth and scaling, but also because it is National Apprenticeship Week, is apprenticeships. So 
what is an apprenticeship? So an apprentice is somebody who is age 16 and above, who is combining working and studying together with the support of their employer. So apprentices, as a business owner, apprentices can be new or current employees. And just really quickly how this works for employers. Firstly, you will need to choose an apprenticeship that best suits the role and your organisations. There are so many different apprenticeships available at the moment. It truly is incredible. So please do have a look. Um, Next up, you'll need to find an organisation that offers the training for the apprenticeship that you have chosen. You'll then need to check what funding is available to you. And I'll come back to this in a sec. Then you will advertise your apprenticeship and then you'll choose your apprentice. So funding. So you can get help from the government to pay for the apprenticeship training. So the amount will depend on whether or not you pay into the apprenticeship levy and you pay into the levy if you are an employer with a pay bill of over three million pounds per year. So let's assume in this instance that you are a small business and you don't pay the levy. You will pay 5% towards the cost of training your apprentice and the government will pay the remaining 95% directly to the training provider. And then on top of that, at the moment, there is a further incentive payment for you guys to hire new apprentices. And if you have or if you're going to hire an apprentice between August 20 and the end of March 21, then you will receive between £1,500 and £2,000, depending on the age of the apprentice that you hire. And this payment is different to the levy support in that the payment comes directly into your organisation's bank account for you to spend. Okay, so um, let's move on to some questions. I've seen quite a few questions coming through, so let's take a look. Okay, so Mario from Facebook Messenger has asked, which route do you think is best to become a chartered accountant? Um, Great question, Mario, and very, very much in the spirit of National Apprenticeship Week. So this is a question that I get asked a lot. I think a large portion of my following on social media is... um, trainees, accounting trainees, accounting apprenticeships and people that are studying. So I do get asked this quite a lot. And um, there are a number of different routes. So the first one is going to university and getting an accounting degree and then leaving university and then becoming a trainee and maybe doing some chartered certificates. The next option would be to not go to university, do an apprenticeship. So the most common apprenticeship is to study AAT whilst working in an accounting practice and then use AAT as a foundation qualification and then move on to a charter certificate. Um, And then the final option is for people that just want to jump straight in and not do a foundation certificate at all and go straight into chartered. So within our business, we have people who have done literally every single one of those different options. We have someone that has done a degree and is now a trainee. Um, I did AAT and then you move on to further qualifications or you have someone who decides to bypass AAT completely and go straight into the charter qualification. And then within the charter qualifications, um, there are a number of different options. So there's ACCA, there's ACA and there's SEMA. So SEMA is the Chartered Institute for Management Accountants, which generally applies to people that would like to work in industry. And then ACA and ACCA are the most popular when it comes to working in industry. Um, It's really hard to say which route I think is best. I was an apprentice and I absolutely loved it. it. It changed my life. It absolutely dictated my 
career so far and a lot of the success that I've had within the business I attribute to being an apprentice and to learning brilliant brilliant life skills at a very young age so um, I can only speak from my experience and being an apprentice was absolutely fantastic and it's something that we have driven into the core foundation of our business and we support every single employee with their training um, fully funded and offering study support and things like that so I think it's really important to find which route suits you best um, because an apprenticeship definitely suited me best Um, and to ask people you know I, I get a lot of questions on social media about what to do and I'm always more than happy to chat to people so if you ever do have any questions please do reach out to people and talk to people to find out what would be the best for you. Um, Okay, so I've had a question from Jamil on Instagram and Jamil has said, I sell high-priced electronics and offer customers instalment opportunities. Due to the pandemic, I wanted to allow them to be able to pay over multiple years rather than months. How would I calculate gross profit percentages for instalment sales in different tax years? Okay, Jamil, so this question is essentially about revenue recognition and this is quite a technical accounting practice so it depends on a number of different things so the important part here is that you need to look at when to recognize the revenue so it could be that if through the process of taking on the finance and the payment plan with the payment plan the full liability is passed over to the consumer you would probably recognise the revenue of the sale in one go if you outsource the finance. However, if you do the finance internally and you haven't outsourced it to a third party, uh, that becomes a little bit trickier. So this is quite a technical accounting policy. So I would definitely recommend that you have a chat with your accountant, um, have a look at how you are outsourcing the instalment opportunities and where the liability falls to have a look at when and where to recognise the revenue. Um, again, I would love to chat to you. So if that doesn't entirely answer your question, please do get in touch. Um, but that was a really good example of a question with multiple answers and actually where engaging with accountants can be really, really useful and making sure that you're implementing the right policies onto softwares like QuickBooks um, correctly from day one. So it's really, really great to see that you um, are actually even asking the question, Jamil, that's amazing. Um, Okay, so Laura from Twitter has asked, what is the difference between an apprenticeship and an internship? Okay, so really good question, Laura. So An internship, from what I understand, is a temporary placement for a fixed period. And that's the number one difference. Again, there are paid internships and unpaid internships. But essentially, it's basically work experience. An apprenticeship, you have a commitment, um, A, for the whole period of your employment contract, which, depending on which qualification you're studying, can range from one year to three or even five years. Um, So I'd say the number one difference, A, is commitment, and B, is the training. So as part of the commitment, you, the training provider, and your employer all sign the same agreement so that you commit to um, completing the qualification and, and giving it your best. The training providers agree to support both parties with that, and your train and your employer agrees to support you during the process. And a really important part of the apprenticeship levy, which I mentioned earlier, in order to get that funding, all parties have to agree to the same agreement, and that's a training agreement. And 
how that's working at the moment is, and again, I think this does depend on the qualification, but your employer has to agree to release you for 20% of your contracted working hours. So 20% of your contracted working hours will be for studying, training, support, any apprenticeship meetings that you need to have. So 20% of your contracted working hours will be allocated to training and support. So, sorry, Dora, that was a very long answer, but um, it's important to like just weigh up all of the differences. So from what I understand, internships very often can be unpaid. Um, it's essentially work experience and there's no training, like formal training or qualifications involved, whereas apprenticeships, um, there's a very high level of support, not only from your employer, but also from the training provider. Um, and there is like funding and you will be paid for an apprenticeship at at least minimum wage. So we've had another question from Eliza on Instagram and she has said, great news about the Kickstart scheme. How long does the application process take and how much will I get per placement? Is it a one-time payment or will it be done in installments? Great question, Eliza. Um, so we are actually applying to the Kickstart scheme ourselves and we waited until the new scheme so that we could go through the process ourselves and tell people. So we applied about a week ago. It was literally like the day or the day after the new scheme came into place. So we applied a week ago and um, we gave loads of information about um, the job that we wanted to provide, how we intend on supporting the young person, how we intend on making them more employable through the process and how we can help them get a job and become more employable after. And um, the response we had from HMRC is that they are reviewing all applications and they will get a response to you within a month to let you know whether or not your application has been accepted or not. And then you'll be passed over to your local, um, I imagine it's like the local job centre who will help put you in touch with people that would like to come and uh, apply for your scheme. So the short answer is I actually don't know how long the application process is going to take, but I do know that HMRC are getting back to people within a month with a decision. Uh, again, we only applied a week ago. So um, again, I've been documenting the process on my Instagram. So if you do want to keep up with how our journey is going, please do check it out. Um, in terms of how much you get per placement. So it essentially depends on um, your, so 100% of the national minimum wage is covered for 25 hours for six months. If you wanted a full-time employee, you could offer them a full-time role, so 40 hours a week, and it would just be your responsibility to top up the difference. And then in terms of the one-off grant that you get, um, you actually get £1,500 worth of funding per job placement, which will help you cover the setup costs. So it's actually £1,500 per placement. So if you were looking to offer more than one placement, you would get uh, more than £1,500. Um, I'm actually not sure on whether it's a one-time payment or it will be done in instalments. I imagine it's quite similar to the incentive for hiring apprentices, which is actually that you get a little bit at the start to help and then a little bit once they finish to make sure that you follow through with your commitment. So I imagine it's going to be pretty similar to that. Um, so I've also had a question from Nathan on Twitter. Hi, Rachel. I have a question about the Kickstart scheme. Will potential applicants be matched to my placement according to experience and skill sets? Yes, Nathan is the answer. So as part of the process with um, the Job Centre and the Department of Work and Pensions, a lot of the application process 
for people that want to put themselves forward, they would basically pick three or four different industries that are really, really attractive to them. So for us, they might have ticked business, accountancy, administration and finance. Um, we also do the same. We put forward which skills we would really be looking for in a young person and they kind of match you together and then the employers get the choice of who comes with them. Um, I've also had another question relating to the Kickstart scheme as well, come in from Brett, who has said, good morning, Rachel. I want to know if I can apply to take on a placement under the Kickstart scheme if I'm a sole trader. Also, do I have a responsibility to take this person on after six months? Really, really good question and something that a lot of people have been asking us. So it does not matter if you're a sole trader, you can still add people onto your payroll, no problems at all. And again, if moving from a sole trader to a limited company is in your plans at some point, you can transfer PAYE schemes over from a sole trader to a limited company. So that's really important to know too. So you absolutely can apply, Brett, if you are a sole trader. And no, so you don't have a commitment to take the person on after six months. And this is something that we considered very heavily when doing this because we felt a real responsibility um, to try and do that. And actually that's just not, like we just want to be able to help people at this time. So the Kickstart scheme in essence is to provide, is, is to give you guys free support and government funded support for your business to help you grow and to help you scale. And then from the um, candidates perspective, they are people who potentially due to the pandemic or other things have been out of work and unemployed potentially up to a year at this point. So their like employment opportunities have diminished during the pandemic. So from the candidates perspective, they are being offered, they're being offered paid work experience, which will then make them more employable. Um, so it's, it's very mutually beneficial. You get 25 hours a week of, of, of work that you don't have to pay for, but the candidate is being paid for it and is gaining work experience. If things change across the six months and this person actually has been a fantastic addition to your team and you decide to take them on, then that's amazing. But you do not have a responsibility to extend it after six months. What you do have a responsibility to do is, and it is a commitment that you have to make, um, and they do actually ask you this at the point of application, is um, how you will be able to support and assist that person becoming more employable um, during the process of the scheme. So for us, you know, that's um, interview skills, making sure their CV's up to date, doing lots of training with them and giving them references. So from the candidate and from your perspective, it's very mutually beneficial. Okay, so final question has come from Jack on Twitter. And Jack has said, I want to scale my company. Company, Can an accountant help with planning my finances to reach my goal? At the moment, I'm doing it all by myself. Amazing question, Jack. Yes, absolutely. So one of the biggest things in scaling a business is cash. Um, so cash flow forecasting is absolutely something an accountant will help, um, will help you with. We actually do free one-to-one, -one, an hour of free training with every client. So that could be cash flow planning, software training, QuickBooks training. Um, absolutely, you should be reaching out to your accountant for advice, help and support. And I would really, really encourage you to find an accountant that's going to support you through that process. But yes, Jack, absolutely. Um, the financial strategy and planning the finance will 
really, really help you and having an accountant to support you through that process. Um, will also make you feel like you're not alone. Um, everybody is doing this and experiencing it for the first time. So I would really encourage you to reach out to an accountant and get some help. Um, okay, so Jack was the last question. And so during today, we have been running a poll. And we asked you, have you pivoted your business in the last year? And 50% of you said yes, and 50% of you said no. Um, I feel like even as a broad question, um, even the people that haven't essentially pivoted due to uh, what they're actually doing, so many parts of everybody's business has pivoted. Um, but we've got a 50-50 split. <laughs> um, but thank you all so much for tuning in today. If you have any questions for me, you can contact me on Instagram. You just need to search for accountant underscore she. Uh, coming up on Ask the Expert tomorrow is Dino Myers-Lampty, who is the founder of The Barbershop, a strategy-led creative company that aims to solve the biggest business problems through data, disruption, and disruptive ideas. So you can tune in to learn about the marketing behaviors of disruptive brands. So don't forget to join the official Intuit QuickBooks SMB group on Facebook and also the Mindful Tax Kit. And you can find the link in the comments. I really, really enjoyed answering your questions this morning and have a great day.